strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, wrapped up the last hour and talking about um, bloated government agencies and, and programs because the CDC has now admitted they got it painfully wrong. And I will say, to the credit of Dr. Walensky, Rochelle Walensky, is that I, I, when was the last time you remember somebody involved in the government that said, hey, listen, we got this really, really wrong. We're sorry and we're going to fix it. So at least she's made that kind of an admission in-house and said we've got to change things. But it is an indication, I believe, it's an indication of huge overreach, that it's too big, it's too bloated. Local control usually matters more. States should have the right to be the way they want to be. We have we have six major elections going on right now. Five of those elections will be for in-state offices. The governor, the secretary of state, the attorney general, the uh, superintendent of public instruction, and the treasurer. And those five races are going to play a big role in how this state is driven and where it's driven in the foreseeable future, along with the legislative races that are going on. But here's another, uh, uh, just hear me out, another idea about why states have a right to be who they want to be. Education exodus is the headline. Schools reopening in time Time is almost upon us. School reopening time is is upon us. A large number of parents have opted out of the government-run schools. Over the past two school years, K-12 enrollment has declined by nearly 3% or about 1.3 million students nationwide. Big city school districts have seen massive exoduses. In New York City, there were over 1 million enrolled students in the 2019-2020 school year. The city anticipated just 760,000 children will be attending by the end of this school year, the 22-23 school year. Chicago students um, are also leaving. There are about 400,000 attendees in 2010. The number dwindled to 330 as of March of 21. Why are parents pulling their kids out of school? Because they don't trust them. And it's not that it's not that they're bad people. Again, it's not I'm going not going after teachers. But what we're seeing is and here's an example. I want you to hear this. This is from New Jersey. This is the National Educators Association, the NEA, which there are two. There are a couple of major teachers unions, the NEA and the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers. And this is from the NEA. The New Jersey chapter of the NEA ran an ad, and this is what it's saying about conservative parents in New Jersey. We don't agree on everything in New Jersey, but we all agree that our kids deserve a world-class education. So when extremists start attacking our schools, that's not who we are. People who only want to fight to score political points should take that somewhere else. Uh, which is really ironic because that's exactly what the NEA stands for. The NEA and the AFT are political organizations. They are lobbying organizations. They take the dues of the teachers that pay into this system. They pay the heads of these unions astronomical salaries, and then they donate money and they take control of the schools. So let me give you an example that is a real example that's already been verified. This isn't just my opinion. The NEA and the AFT played a big role in the White House and its policies on school closures and shutdowns in the Biden administration. Go back and look. Go and look. They played a big role in what the policies of the White House were going to be. 
So I would submit to you that there is an apparent within the sound of my voice, whether you are conservative or you are liberal or you are moderate or independent or libertarian, there is an apparent out there who doesn't desire to have their child or children have the best education possible. You have different ideas of what that's supposed to look like, possibly. And so when you have school districts doing some of the things that they are doing, when you have the AFT doing the things they were doing with shutdowns, when you have the National School Board Association getting together with people in the White House and then putting an official letter on letterhead from the National School Board Association calling parents domestic terrorists and asking if the FBI would investigate school board meetings, parents have a right to raise their hand and say, "Uh, excuse me, hang on a minute. I'm the customer. These are my children, not yours. And people are pushing back. So they're looking for options. Arizona has expanded the empowerment scholarships, the ESA accounts. And they're doing this so that parents know they have options. This goes for parents that are in districts where they think the district isn't um, doing enough of the of the um, social emotional learning programs. If you've got if you're in a if you live in a district where the school districts are saying, you know what, we're going to do traditional education. It's going to be the that's where we're going to focus on. We're not going to focus on some of these other curriculums and programs. And you don't like that. Take your kid to a school that opens up that wants what you want. It's for everybody. But the individual states have an opportunity and should always have the opportunity to exist the way they choose. So who we elect to be the superintendent of public instruction is a big deal. And we should elect someone and that person should be empowered to have more control. We've got school districts that spend dollars the way they want to spend dollars. And parents are beginning to ask questions because the curriculum that we complain about, and I don't have to get into them, but I would say any curriculum outside of the core, every curriculum that a school purchases and trains teachers in costs a lot of money. Our tax dollars are spent to pay for those curriculum, and we entrust the school boards and the superintendents to come up with a curriculum that best suits the goal of educating our children, whether it's reading or math or science or whatever that curriculum is. And then they buy these other curriculums that other people are questioning, whether they don't like them for a moral purpose or they don't like them because they're a distraction to the basic core that the kids are not achieving. They have an absolute right to ask that question. They have an absolute right to ask that question. If you own stock in a, in a company and they were spending large amounts of money on things that you say that has nothing to do with this company does. Our company is not successful in the widgets that we produce and sell. We are not successful in doing what we do. Why are you doing these other things? I am a stockholder. I own stock in this and you are wasting my time and money. I just don't get it. And lastly, I want to give you a headline. Follow the money, how schools spent their billions in COVID-19 relief. So now you've got the CDC and the policies, and you've got this now mixed with the school system. Schools raked in $190 billion in COVID relief funds that education advocates argued were just uh, desperately needed to help the system recover from the pandemic. If you remember... One of the big pushes, and I know that supply chain issues were part of it, all these brand new ventilation systems that needed to be installed in schools nationwide. I would, if I were you, find out where the COVID money in your district was spent. This is the big bloated system of the federal government instead of everything being localized. That's just what I advocate for. 
we should be sending a lot less money to Washington, and we should keep it in our state. The governor we elect, the legislature we elect, those people should be far more important in our daily lives than the federal government in the United States Congress. Far more important. That's what I think the original intent of the founding fathers was. All right, voters and election workers, we're going to talk about threats against one county recorder and an explanation from another county on their bad election and what they're going to do to fix it. All that's coming up in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you spending some time. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, please do it. Very simple, very easy. Never miss a minute of the show again. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you by Keller. Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home by going to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com. Coming up in a few minutes, your chance to jump on board with us again in the Giveathon for Phoenix Children's Hospital, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and auction Indian community. That's coming up in a few moments. Want to go back to elections. Um, there are a couple of things, and I'm not a big fan of any of this. Uh, uh, I, I, call, I try to call things out on both sides of the aisle. As you figured out listening to this show for about three seconds, um, I am a registered Republican. I'm a conservative, especially a fiscal conservative. I would consider myself more libertarian on social issues, um, meaning I don't care what's in your nightstand. It's none of my business. I, I, ju- I just think that um, w- the government gets dives in too far into people's lives. Let's just put it that way. Um, But I want you to hear a couple of things out of Pinal County that have given light. So here's the downside of it first. A Missouri man accused of threatening Maricopa County election official. This guy, Walter Lee Hernstra is 50 years old resident of Tecumseh, Missouri, is accused of communicating an interstate threat and making threatening telephone calls against um, the elections director here, the the county recorder. And uh, he's been arrested and gotten in trouble because of the inflammatory language and what this is. There's the downside. This is what the conspiracy theories and the yelling and the screaming about stolen elections, this this is what it breeds in some people. I'm not talking about the people out there that are civil, that are level headed, that look at what happened in the election and believe that it was stolen. There is a difference. You may disagree with them believing it's stolen, but there are very there are a lot of very level-headed people out there that still believe it. This is the fringe that gets all ginned up by the rhetoric that's happened. But then what gives credibility and credence to that? Um, I want you to hear a little bit of an AZ family revo- uh, report. On Pinal County and what happened in their election. Voter turnout in Pinal County was 28% for the primary election. Maricopa County was 35%. Pima County was 36%. Some say the lower turnout in Pinal County is directly related to their ballot issues. So they had huge ballot issues on two different occasions. When they mailed early ballots out, they mailed out wrong ballots to different groups of people. Some had candidates listed that they weren't supposed to vote for, and the others where they were supposed to vote for those candidates, the candidates weren't on on those ballots. So they had to send out a second ballot with a big orange band on it and fix this and fix that. And then on Election Day, they had one polling place that ran out of um, ballots in an hour. Then they have a printer that prints like three pages an hour, three ballots an hour, some ridiculous thing like that, that they got so far behind with their antiquated equipment. Um, So here's a couple of voters and poll workers speaking out on what went wrong. 
This was the biggest botched election I have ever worked, and I've been doing this for 20 years. One by one, poll workers and voters stepped up to the mic to tell the Pinell County Board of Supervisors all the things that went wrong in this month's primary election. Everything ran smoothly until we ran out of ballots. None of the other elections were chaos like this one. The critical thing, we didn't have any provisional ballot envelopes. A lack of training for poll workers was a big problem. But by far the biggest issue discussed Wednesday was the lack of ballots available on Election Day, forcing voters to either wait around for hours or come back later. It took two hours before the ballot showed up. Uh, we want to believe that most people came back and voted, but I don't know how much apathy there was at that point. So here's the deal. The, uh, they, they fired their elections director and replacing him with a woman named Virginia Ross. Ross explained on Wednesday that the ballot shortage was based on miscalculation of the number of voters that would show up in person. So she, she addressed what they are going to do to fix the problem. Number one is hire an outside consultant. Number two, create four new positions in the elections department, including two deputy directors. More bureaucracy. Revamp poll worker training. And create a task force. That's the solution so far. What about the antiquated equipment where you couldn't print ballots? Now, Pinal County isn't Maricopa County, but Pinal County isn't a third world country. Um, when I voted in Maricopa County, I went to a polling location. I actually went to the Greek Orthodox Church on like 20th Street south of Lincoln. And I went down there and walked in, presented my voter ID, showed them who I was, found my name, logged in. And when I turned around, I took about seven steps to get to where my ballot was already being printed on the printer. Just came out printed like it's supposed to. I live in the 21st century. Why don't they replace the equipment so that if you're running out of balance, you could have went to Kinko's. And had those ballots printed out faster. It's just, they should be thoroughly embarrassed. They should be embarrassed about what happened. And I imagine they are. Coming up in a moment, your chance to partner with us again and more great stories from Phoenix Children's Hospital and the Givathon. You're going to love it if you're able to stick around. The stories are amazing. We got more for you next. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Ok Chin Indian community. KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Giveathon on the Mike Broomhead Show. You know, this week is an emotional week for everybody involved. It is one that is uh, very sad at times with some of the stories we hear of immense suffering and immense overcoming of things by families. But it's inspirational as well because so many people in the community from the corporate world and from the private world, people like you, have jumped on board. We are raising money for the Giveathon for Phoenix Children's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers, Oxygen Indian Community. And we want to give you in a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to jump on board and match your donation. All of that happens in just a couple of seconds. But I want you to hear from another one of our great corporate partners. This is Papa John's with a check presentation. All right, I'm sitting here with Jesse Rutledge from Papa John's Pizza. She is the Director of Marketing and Sales with Papa John's Pizza. Thank you for being here, Jesse. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's it's great to have you here. So let's just get right into it. Papa John's Pizza uh, can send its money anywhere it wants to. Why Phoenix Children's? Phoenix Children's is near and dear to everyone's heart here in the Valley. So we're locally owned and operated. Every Papa John's 
um, here in the Valley is locally, or in Arizona is locally owned and operated, which means we all work, live, and play right here in the Valley, which means at some point, either we've had children at Phoenix Children's, or we have, you know, siblings, or aunts and uncles, they were impacted by Phoenix Children's, or neighbors were impacted. At some point, everybody in this Valley has been impacted gratefully by Phoenix Children's Hospital, and it was important for us to keep those funds in the community that way. We love that. Okay, so with that year-long collection that you do with Papa John's Pizza, I know you have a big check to present. What's the number on that we check? We absolutely do, and we're so glad to be back again with a check this amount, and we are going to be presenting $25,000 to Phoenix Children's Hospital. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Jesse and Papa John's Pizza. That is tremendous. We appreciate your generosity. Absolutely. Well, we can have the community help us make that check bigger for next year as well by ordering online using that code PCH, and next year we'll be back with more. You heard her. Pretty amazing, $25,000. That is a big donation and a big thank you to Papa John's. Before I give you an opportunity to jump in and ask you to donate, I want you to hear another one of our stories of hope presented this year by Madame Holmes. Uh, not all stories that we share with you about this amazing place called Phoenix Children's have a happy ending. Um, how does a family who loses a daughter at the age of three months tell their story? What did Phoenix Children's give to the Jansen family? Time. This is Kendall's story. Hi, this is Mike. And I'm Nikki Jansen. And this is our family's story. Wanted to have kids for quite a long time. We were able to have Cole and Adam. They were born in 2009. We were just so elated. In 2012, kind of a surprise of our life, Kendall was going to be arriving in September of 2012. Truly a gift and a miracle. We found out that she was a she, a girl. And also we found out that next breath that she was going to have quite a few challenges. We knew that her heart was unique to her alone. That's when PCH entered our lives. Because when you love someone, you open up your she was initially diagnosed with tetralogy of Fallot. She also had absent pulmonary valve syndrome, a very compromised heart, and also did not have a valve. So her heart was significantly enlarged, which impacted her breathing, her ability to digest food. The doctors told us they weren't quite sure if she would make it to birth. We were set up with Banner Health to prepare for her delivery and then would be transported over to Phoenix Children's Hospital. She was in the hospital for 10 days. We were able to take her home. She was able to stay home with us, I believe, for 38 days or something like that. The doctors were very open with us that it wasn't if she would have complications. It was just a matter of when. We knew something wasn't right. She wasn't breathing right, and she looked like she was becoming more and more distressed. We took her to an emergency room. She seemed to be stabilized, came back home, and then the last time we just kind of knew that this was going to be a stay at Phoenix Children's Hospital. Then tragedy struck. She had a massive heart attack, and that's where, unfortunately, she had a stroke and became... Um, didn't have any brain activity, and the doctors guided us through that. If you love someone, and you're not afraid to lose them, you probably never love someone like I do. 
they had a division of life care services that also guided our young boys who were three at the time through that struggle. The nurses there were second to none. Um, can't say enough about the staff at the Phoenix Children's Hospital. I do a lot of coaching here in our community, and so I coach different age kids. My mind wanders quite a bit, you know. I wonder what Kendall would be like, or I wonder what she would look like, or I wonder what she'd be into. So, yeah. We were so fortunate that we had this incredible hospital in our backyard. Money is a big concern, and if you can give to help with giving the top-notch care to have that support in this fantastic facility with all the workers that specialize in these things and not have to worry about that piece when going through something like this was what we needed. There was always hope. Mm. To hear those parents tell that story on the day that I went to Phoenix Children's to deliver bears to children that were getting treatment as I was leaving, there was an obvious uh, critical incident that was happening on the hospital floor I was on, and uh, there were teams of people, doctors and nurses, quickly walking toward one end of the hospital, and I was amazed at watching the equipment and the people that were heading in that direction to help a child in crisis in that moment in that family, and that's the kind of thing that we are doing here. This is why we are doing it, to help these families in crisis. And uh, your opportunity to help right now is uh, it's our match time. Madame Holmes is going to match your donations right now. If you want to jump on board with us right now and make a donation, your donation will double. Uh, so now's the time to call Desert Financial Phone Bank 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567 or text the word GIVE to 411-923. That's how you can give right now. I'm going to put out a big ask because of that big check that was written by Papa John's. Everybody out there that has joined my Action Alliance, there's hundreds of people that have jumped on board with us. I'm going to speak to you directly, but to anybody else that's listening. There are 42 kids right now in oncology, 42 kids receiving treatment in oncology at Phoenix Children's Hospital. I need 42 people to commit to being a champion of hope. The train uh, Teddy Bear Express and this champion of hope, 20 bucks a month, $240 for the year. You're a champion of hope. A teddy, a teddy bear will be delivered in your name to one of these children. I've delivered those bears, and they are delivered in someone's name. You hand them a card with the name of someone. We need 42 people to match those 42 kids in oncology. Call right now, 602-933-4567. That's 602-933-4567. Coming up in a moment, we are going to speak more about what's happening in the city of Phoenix and a program trying to stop gun violence. We're going to explain why this is different than others next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. As most of you know, if you listen to the show at all, I am a big supporter of law enforcement. I think that it is uh, one of the critical needs, public safety in general, fire department as well. Uh, public safety is a cornerstone of a peaceful society. If you dial 911, whether it's a, an emergency that involves the police, the fire department, or both, we need to feel confident that qualified 
qualified people are going to show up with the equipment they need to do the job. We know that violence has been on the increase. There is a shortage of police officers in Phoenix, and violent crime has increased. We reported yesterday that Maricopa County has uh, more open investigations for homicide than we've ever set a record for open investigations um, because of there were some murders over the weekend. That being said, what is the best path to take? All of us want a solution to these problems. We all want to see these things stop. What Phoenix Police is doing, I think, is an example for the rest of the country. Uh, I, I went down this list before, but if you look at the Phoenix police officers that have been shot in the line of duty, every single one of them, Tyler Maldivan was shot um, at a point-blank range by this maniac young man, and only by the grace of God is Tyler alive and, his, and, his, and the strength of his family um, and him. But he was shot at point blank range and by someone, by a very young man that had a prison record, a violent criminal history and was not supposed to have a gun. The same with the nine officers that were injured on one crime scene, four of them shot, five of them injured by a guy trying to execute police officers in a home. And uh, he wasn't supposed to have a firearm. Uh, The two officers that were led around the corner past an apartment complex where they were ambushed by a guy with a nine millimeter shot, 18 rounds out of a nine millimeter handgun into a patrol vehicle injuring two officers not supposed to have a handgun um, the officer that was up in I think the Cave Creek and, and uh, Union Hills area Beardsley area was injured in a domestic violence situation by a guy with a gun she was shot below her bulletproof vest then there was another officer in South Phoenix that was shot and injured in the line of duty only because she was able to get her bulletproof vest on even though she was doing undercover work by people that weren't supposed to have firearms so the Phoenix the P- Police Department, out of necessity, because they are shrinking, they are being a lot more targeted in who they're going after. So there is a program in which they are going after prohibited possessors. These are people that have firearms or are dealing in firearms that aren't supposed to have them. They have arrested more than 500 people. Between July 5th and July and August 15th, they have uh, retrieved, they have seized 711 Ill- illegal guns. More than a dozen of them have been conver- had conversion devices on them to make them automatic weapons, which is illegal. They also found a flare gun that was um, was uh, modified to shoot bullets. So I I bring this up because violent crime is on the rise across the country. And you've got cities like Portland now begging for the police to get involved with the problems that are there. Austin, Texas, jewelry store owners saying they are sitting ducks because there aren't enough police officers there. This is happening everywhere. What the Phoenix Police Department is doing here, I think, is a program that's going to set an example across the country. Because, again, if you want to just go after guns, first of all, you're coming after law-abiding citizens like myself. I own multiple firearms. I am often armed. I'm not paranoid. It's a tool like anything else. You know, I carry a, I carry a can to fix a flat in my car. I'm not hoping for a flat tire so I get to use the can. And I don't ever want to use a gun um, if I don't ever have to. I just want to be prepared in case it happens. And that, and instead of focusing on people like me, instead of focusing on legal, legitimate firearms dealers and sellers, they're going after the people that aren't supposed to have the guns in the first place. And they're going after people that are dealing in guns to people that aren't supposed to have them in the first place. And it's going to make a big impact. 500 arrests, 711 guns seized. That's through August 15th. We don't even know what the number is now. So it is an amazing thing. I think they deserve credit for it. 
as we talk about the need for more public safety, the other option here is one of the wild, wild west where we are left to our own devices and your protection has to be self-protection. That's always an option, and I think it always needs to be an option. But we should live in a society. We've committed to live in a society that's peaceful. We've committed to live in a society that when you commit crimes against um, our citizens, the police will be called. You'll be given a fair trial, and if found guilty, you'll be punished, and restitution should be part of that punishment. What we are now seeing in many places across this country is the criminal justice system is failing because they're not prosecuting cases. They're putting people back on the streets on their own recognizance. They're not holding them accountable for the horrible things that they do, and it is making neighborhoods a lot less safe, and it needs to reverse. So when there are programs like this that are beneficial and good and proactive and working, we need to be shouting them from the rooftops. Congratulations to the Phoenix Police Department for getting this right. That's what we should all be yelling. We're going to talk about the economy coming up just after 11 o'clock. Senator Manchin uh, touting how we can't raise taxes. And you're going to hear a lot of things he's had to say in the past. You don't raise taxes during a recession. And then he's going to say, well, you know what? We never told you it was going to lower prices immediately. So we're going to hear the two faces and the two sides of this coming up next.